0: Let's look in Exodus chapter 1, Exodus chapter 1, <clears throat> and Sunday mornings we started a series called Overcoming Rejection, and primarily out of the life of Moses, and the first thing we looked at last Sunday was from a sermon from Stephen. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, and he preached a message and he mentions Moses. And when he mentions Moses, how Moses was rejected of both the Egyptian, whose country he was raised in, and his ethnicity, the Hebrews. And he was rejected by both of them. And we'll go and look at that again. And we're going to see how he's responding to that. But the point last week in the message that Stephen preached when he mentions Moses being thrust away, his point is a greater point that we all tend to push God away. And he was saying that to a highly religious group that we tend to resist the Holy Ghost and and, uh, push God away. And so we don't want to push God away. We want to run to God. And so the first issue of rejection... When you think, well, I've had so many different rejections in my life, maybe racial, maybe relational, all kinds of things, and and we'll touch on some of those. But first thing is, am I pushing God away, right? I don't want to push the doctor away when you're hurting. I don't want to push God away. And so the second thing we we will look at today was, it's something I thought, I don't need to preach this. And I felt like God gave, gave me this message a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, do I need to preach this? And I thought, all right, we're just going to deal with it. It's in chapter 1, and and I think trusting the Lord will help us in what we need. It's basically chapter 1, what we'll look at today. The topic is dealing with racial rejection. Dealing with racial rejection. And this is very severe in chapter 1. So let's read it, and then we'll walk through some of this and make some application. Exodus chapter 1. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters, to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shiphrah, and the name of the other Puah. And he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? The midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born. Ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. This passage here, you see Pharaoh, the king, putting pressure on his people, Egyptians, to oppress another people group. That's what you see, in a severe way, right? Um so this weekend, I didn't even realize this. This weekend, Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow set aside for recognition of the accomplishments of civil rights um, uh, reform, and and, and and I think that's that's good. Um, and now, you know, of course, you have people that are that are trying to put in. You know, also represents, you know, uh, gay rights, lesbian, gay, transsexual. And they want to kind of jump on that train and say that's what it was for too. And it's not. It wasn't for a moral issue. It was for just a racial, ethnic issue to to create equal rights like our Constitution says. And I think it was a good thing. He was was looking for peaceful, he was peacefully advocating equal rights on racial matters. And that was good. I'm glad. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can uh, argue about holidays and when I don't really care, but what he did was good. So that's what's happening here: is you have a whole people group that's being um, oppressed, right here. Now God's showing, in, kind of in the bigger picture of Genesis X, is God's son. See, look at that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my people are gonna last. My people, there's nothing gonna squatch them, squelch them, and put them out. They're gonna, we're gonna get out of this, and uh, it's, we're following God's faithful covenant with Israel through these first five books of the Bible and how He set up government for them. Um, but, but Pharaoh, he's not oppressing a group of people that are in his country that are acting like terrorists. He's not oppressing people that are being criminals. You should go out. We should go after criminals, no matter what color they are. Every nation should. If you break the law, we're going to go after you. We don't care your color. Right? Okay, that's not what Pharaoh's doing. They're not criminals. He's like, I just don't like what's happening here. I just don't like there's so many of them. And then we're going to walk through that, what he does. He's not going after people because they're enemy. He's going after them because of their ethnicity. He's intimidated by it. That's what he's doing. Okay, so we see that... Uh, Here in the United States, we've been known as what? What's the phrase we've been known as over the... A melting pot, you know? There was actually a Jewish immigrant made up that phrase in the early 1900s. And some have said it's kind of like you come from other places and you kind of melt together your culture here in the United States. Some have said it's more like a salad bowl. You come and you work together. You still have little... You know, I still have my cultural expressions from where I came from, and but we still work together. Maybe it's a salad bowl. Maybe it's a mosaic. Whatever. But, but the Bible says to Christians, 1 Peter 2.17, Honor all men. That means esteem. It says, Romans 12.18, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Hebrews 12.14 us follow peace with all men. Right? But what disturbs that is if a person develops kind of an ethnic or racial attitude. That can disturb it, right? If you start thinking, well, I, yeah, I want to get along but I want you to know I'm where I came from is better. My home country, my ethnicity is better than yours. If you have an attitude of superiority about what you are by way of the thing you couldn't control in the first Place that's racism, and if you say that's lesser, what you are is lesser than me. That's we call it racism, it's called respect of persons. God's no respecter of persons, it says. Peter said this. Oh, I finally learned this. Peter says, I realize God's no respect of persons, but in every nation that means ethnicity that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So he says here. Uh, or so so the scriptures talking about people that are you have the Egyptians and they're doing this to the to the Hebrews and we're gonna learn from it a racist attitude can disturb um, can disturb uh, me having a peaceful relationship with somebody um, sometimes it comes on you sometimes it comes from you but everybody has the potential to be like that right Everybody has a potential. Don't answer. Don't answer. But have you ever said a derogatory statement about another person? No. I'm not talking about a joke in a joking way, like, "Hey, this is fun," you know. Have you? Have you ever had something said to you? That's no fun. In our country, we're. Uh, I think the devil. I think the devil likes to do that. He knows there's a lot of different ethnicities and I think he likes to come in and divide and and get and foster division so it just keeps messing us up more and more and more. But I think the reason why our country was able to be a melting pot for so long is because of a Christian ethic that permits people of different ethnicities provide they keep the law. Of all people, of all people, when we have the Bible, and you've been a Christian, and you've had the Bible for a certain amount of time and you know it, of all people, the ones who, should, who, who can best discern and respond to ethnic and racial problems, it should be a Christian. Right? Right? Alright, people have, you know, people get, you know, you find people that, oh, they painted a swastika somewhere, or somebody put a noose up at somebody's in neighborhood, or somebody was called this derogatory term. Of all people, that shouldn't even be a problem with, them. of all people, Christians. We should be like, I don't even get into that, right? Because we have a, high, one of the reasons is, one of the reasons is, so, so like, I'm, I don't know, I'm something, mutt, what are we? English, German, we're something, obviously from Europe, maybe Iceland, I don't know. And then you got the, well, I'm from uh, Italian heritage, Native American, South Pacific, Asian, all that stuff. Okay, so you can acknowledge that and appreciate it and know that there's some culture and history to it. But um, it doesn't mean that I'm superior or you're superior, right? And in fact, and we're going to look at this in the Bible, that in, the, in Scripture, um, when it shows people in heaven that were, from, that were saved and they were in the church and they are raptured up to heaven, it shows them praising God and it says, Lord, we, we, we worship you, we praise you, I'm paraphrasing, because you've redeemed us by thy blood out of every nation, tongue, tribe, and family. Jesus is trying to collect all the crayons put them in his box in heaven, right? Let's say hey, they're all mine. All right, so here's the Bible. We read Exodus. It's Egyptians. It's Hebrews. What's happening here? Um, we want to look at these three things here as we walk through it. In the chapter, you see there's like a race. I use the term racism. It's not in the Bible, really, but it's the idea of just this, where somebody thinks they're, ethnicity is better and somebody's less. But we see the reasons for it. We'll see the results and we'll just talk about some other scriptures a good response to that. Because again, hey, we don't want of all, we should be able to just sail right through this stuff and not have it come from us. And if it comes on us, know how to process it. That's the point. Overcoming it. And move on. There's greater things in life, so I want to overcome this. Coming on me or coming from me? Okay, so here we go. The reasons. Look at this. It's right here in the Bible. So you have this. Re- you have this group of refugees that are multiplying this country. Right here, chapter one. These are the names of the children of Israel. Verse five. five Seventy of them came in. This would have been about three or four hundred years. Um from when the pardon me they were there for about 400 years but chapter 1 says that Israel he had all the 12 sons Jacob Joseph was already there he brought his whole family daughters-in-laws and grandsons and grandsons, granddaughters and all that brought them into Egypt and they sojourned into Egypt why were they living in Egypt now they had a promise to be able to live in the promised land why were they living in Egypt They're trying to survive there was a famine and the time for God, to, for them to just fully occupy the land was not yet. He told them ahead of time, you're going to be, your people are going to be in Egypt for 400 years. So they're there. You have this, so you have these refugees. These refugees are not breaking the law. These refugees aren't causing riots. These refugees aren't living, uh, mooching off the government. They're actually, they're shepherds and they're developing their own land. So here it is. They all, they all go in. Verse 5, all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, and Joseph was already in Egypt. Joseph died and all his brethren and now all that generation. So time is progressing. So you have, you have Joseph, who was already there. He was basically second in command in Egypt, right? Remember that? I mean, you, what a wonderful story. Here's a Hebrew. He's basically vice president with the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh becomes... Friendly to Joseph's family and to Jacob, and and I think he was very respectful to the patriarch Jacob, and allowed a, a whole entourage to go back and bear him. And so this Pharaoh and this family, this Egyptian family, is very respectful to all of uh, Joseph's family, which means Israel, this new ethnicity coming in. This yeah, come on in, you can have this land, you can have that land, and they're shepherds, and and meanwhile time passes Joseph dies all his brothers and all those people that were currently living at that time and so time is passing time is passing and what you have here the first reason for some racism the first reason you see is ignorance verse 8 now there rose up a new king over Egypt which knew not Joseph So again, the previous king, the pharaoh, he's like, yeah, I know Joseph. I love Joseph. He interpreted the dreams. And this probably could have been other pharaohs in this family that he was favorable with. Yeah, Joseph's family, Israel, they're all in here. And now time progresses. This people group Hebrews are developing. But a new leader's there and probably his dynasty's there. And this new pharaoh's like, I don't know, who's this guy? Who's, Who's Joseph? Who's these people again? People over there, they're developing that land. And they're growing. Look at this, verse 7. The children of Israel were fruitful, increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. He started thinking, who are these Hebrews around here? A lot of sheep. They didn't like sheep, apparently. Or they didn't keep them. The Egyptians were like, we don't keep sheep, other people do. It's all these shepherds. And and the, and so, so he said, but it says, verse 8, he knew not Joseph. In other words, he was ignorant. He could have went... See, the previous king knew Joseph. He knew that Israel's going to come in here. They're not here to take over. They're not even going to be here forever because they had a promise from God they're supposed to go back. That's what the previous pharaoh very likely knew. This one, I don't know what they're... And it doesn't seem like he wanted to know. It doesn't seem like he asked. But he's ignorant. So he thought the worst. Isn't that what happens when you start watching people? With those people moving in across the street I think they're terrorists yeah. well go ask them no you know, they won't say that but you know you get to know people that kind of starts helping all right so there's ignorance and so the ignorance develops and ignorance leads to insecurity chapter nine or verse verse 9 <clears throat> and so he said to his people behold the children of the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there fall out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. That was very unlikely. If he knew really who they were, he knew that's not really going to happen. So he's he's ignorant, he's insecure. And that's what happens sometimes with, with people we will we'll look at this is that you know, the, even my boys, we went to this predominantly Hispanic neighborhood yesterday, a few of my boys, I was like, hey, lighten up, man. Lighten up. Just go down the street there. Just watch out for the dogs. Perros, yeah. the dogs. And so, and, and so there's, I was like, that's what helps. So break it in. Just we need to go out there more often. I need to take my boys into some Hispanic neighborhoods more often. Sometimes you just need to, you need to, get to know somebody else unlike you it helps Okay, so here we have you see these reasons there's ignorance there's insecurity then you see some results of that since the Pharaoh is ignorant I don't know them and he starts to get suspicious so then what happens next the results there's by the way there's there's consequences for ideas bad ideas a good idea so he has these ideas that are bad ideas let's 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 do this and that to them. And the consequences are cruelty and, and killing. Verse 11, therefore, this Pharaoh who didn't know them, he's suspicious. Therefore, did he set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. And verse 12, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved, they were irritated with the children of Israel. So Pharaoh's like, we got to get control of these people. So let's just, we're going to put these workers, they're going to show up and say, all right, folks, you all have to live over here. You all have to build this city and build, and they became slaves now. Taskmasters or slave masters. And so they just did it. The Hebrews built those cities and and were slaves, but they kept multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And and the point is, God's saying, look, you're not going to put out my people, the covenant people. So you have cruelty, and then you have killing. Chapter chapter 1, 15 to 22, we're not going to read it all again, but verse 16 at least, Pharaoh calls in a couple of midwives. Midwives help the women give birth, the stools where they hold on to to give birth, bear down. Pharaoh calls in a couple of midwives. Apparently there was some kind of a, I don't know, there was a vocational group of them. And he said, "Listen, when these when the Hebrew women give birth, kill the boys, keep the girls." And they walked away thinking, we probably never had a meeting like that with Pharaoh and they i I think they did fear the Pharaoh here because that might be why they lied. They walk away and they but they feared God more Again, it's better to fear God versus fearing man. the reason we have dysfunctional behavior in our life is because we fear men more than God but they walk away and they said well, we fear God we are not gonna kill these babies that's a good thought yeah. we're not gonna kill these babies on birth or whatever and so they didn't and they didn't and God rewarded them in that sense and so Pharaoh digs in deep he gets upset why didn't you do this And then verse 22, Pharaoh charged all. Now he tells all the Egyptians. He didn't just keep it a secret thing. All right, all you Egyptians, from now on, every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Now, eugenics. Eugenics, selective. Want to keep you, want to get rid of you, because this is what's beneficial to us as a society, according to my opinion. You know who Margaret Sanger is? What she founded almost 100 years ago, was what became Planned Parenthood, highly abortionist organization. She was, a, she was a racist. Even Planned Parenthood has to kind of like, oh, we don't really agree with some of the things she said. Even Planned Parenthood said that. She wanted to selective, uh, um, forced sterilization and selective because she was trying to uh, reduce certain racial births. And then Adolf Hitler has this idea, and he feeds it into the mind of his Germans. These Jews run into the world, or whatever, banks, I don't know, maybe he said that too, you know. And uh, he wanted to, you know, get rid of Jews. first just separate them, and then he started killing them and different things, and these ideas have consequences. The cruelty, then the killing, the ethnic, so-called ethnic cleansing, not criminal cleansing, ethnic cleansing, leads to mass atrocities. And so here you have a people group that's being, you're ignorant of, you're insecure about, and they've not done anything that proves they're criminals to Pharaoh. See, that's, again, that's a different thing. If somebody's acting wrong, you deal with them. But if they're not acting wrong and they're just different, then work with them. Right? Okay, so that's what he's doing. So you see the results of that, which is cruelty and killing. So that's how that happens. See, that process, I'm not a historian, but I guarantee you, you go back and look at certain... Nations in Europe and even some places in, in, in Africa and other places, how this ethnic cleansing starts, people get like that. All right, so here's what we want to look at. I want to look at a response. What's the response a Christian should have to the whole idea of having a, um, to getting, overcoming the racial mentality that might want to project from you or project on you? What's the response we should have? Let's, I'm going to go through these quickly. It's not hard. Number one, we should recognize that God made, it's so simple, God made you and me. You know, before I was born, God didn't say, no, here, I have an order for you. What? Check the box. What would you like? What height? Tell me your height. Tell me your eye color, hair color, uh, skin color. Where would you like to be? Didn't ask me. God didn't ask me any of that, where I wanted to be born. God made God chose your life to come in the first place he chose your locality you didn't get a choice on getting born at home or in a hospital or what country God chose your life your locality and your look he chose all that now you can mess with it afterwards but that's what he chose for you so we got to remember hey some guy that looks a little different than me or a lot different than me and I might not like it well I need to get over that. He didn't choose that. You know, if I had my choice, I'd probably be like, well, I kind of want to be born in the United States, but I want to be born to like Brazilian parents just to have that handsome soccer star look. Huh? Yeah, you too, Matt? I want to have that good looking soccer star. That's what I would have chosen. Still born here, though. I mean, it's it's good here. Well, God didn't ask me. He picked it for me and... So we got to remember God made you and God made everybody else. He made them. He, you know, and it all, you know, what's funny is like we say, well, I'm, I'm German, Italian, or when I'm this or that. Well, no, you're not. Go back further. Well, then I'm uh, Eastern European. Well, I'll go back further. Well, then it actually goes back to Greece. Well, then go back further. Well, it actually goes back to Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We'll go back further. Oh, well, it goes back to Noah. Well, then go back further. It goes back to Grandpa Adam and Grandma Eve of one blood. And God made such variety, and we all all diverse. And there's different lifestyles, and I understand that. Recognize God made. you recognize that Christ died for all? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Everybody has different look, but the same corruptions. And that's what He died for. One blood shed for all bloods. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Recognize God made you. Recognize Christ died for all. Recognize that, we said this, Jesus builds His church with all ethnicities. Acts 13 shows several of them in one church. Revelation 5.9, Ephesians 2. Number four, Our response should be, we should. This is something I've said, and I think this is something that should be big. Um, Adam, can you turn that fan on? I think it's getting a little stuffy. Maybe right behind Peggy. Is this? This is this is one thing we should emphasize all the time. Is character over color, right? That's what we should emphasize because that's what God does. The Lord God seeth first. 1 Samuel 16, 7, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, for God doesn't see as you see. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. That is the character, the nature of that person. Let me stop a second. Maybe this will help. Think of four C's. I'm going to give you four C's that help us evaluate and show the value of a person from the best, the most important thing to the least important thing. Okay? Four C's, remember this. And this is out of this is this is the, the, the attitude from God in Scripture. There's four C's. The most important thing we could say is creed, your faith. The second thing would be your character. The next thing would be your culture, kind of lifestyle. And the very last thing is, can you guess? Your color. Color, culture, character creed you could say that means your faith your conversion to Christ the most important thing about a person is this this is what we're after we want to convert this I don't I don't necessarily want to convert somebody to an American culture or anything I want to say what is a person's faith that's the most important thing all types of people will go to hell so creed Faith, genuine faith in Jesus Christ. The second thing, which if a Christian has faith, it should develop this next thing of character. That is just good behavior, good nature. I want to see that. Character is what's important. This is what government should be looking at the most. And not this other culture. And race. They shouldn't care about that stuff. Sometimes I felt, do you ever get confused filling out these uh, forms? And they're like, what race are you? And I'm like, I, you're confusing me. The first time I saw a Caucasian, I'm like, I don't even like Cajun food. What's that, Caucasian? I didn't even know what it was. And so I'm like, and then maybe it said white or something. And so you know, you fill that out. And one of my boys, one time, one time, brother Ed, it was funny. He goes, Dad, he said, he goes, so if we live in Gilbert, we're native Gilbert, Gilbertites. I said, yeah. So if we live in Arizona, we're Native American, Native, Arizonans. I said, yeah. He goes, are we Native Americans? I said no. Yeah. No. Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> and he was confused too. But anyways. What matters again, the creed, character of a person, the culture is a le- it it matters cuz you got to understand it and then the color is the least thing that matters. But in our life, we should say, when I deal with people, so, th- so this is what we should be like. How do I deal with people? Who cares what they look like in that sense? Just like, hey, man, I want to see. If you're, if you're working for me, I'm going to expect you to do this, this, and that. I don't care what you look like. In this, well, you yeah, have clothes on, please. But uh, in that sense, character, um, respect. cultural differences number number 5 we should learn to respect culture cuz there is such a thing as culture and you should know somebody else's culture even people that are coming from other countries you should try to understand that we, paul tried to learn cultures if you look at the apostle paul he went he was a jew and he wasn't trying to force his jewishness on everybody he tried to understand the barbarian and the greek and he tried to understand them so with us is that third Important thing of culture, you should try to understand somebody's culture. Culture is kind of like more of like your lifestyle, and they do these holidays, we don't, or they wear a certain kind of shoes, but I might not. They take their shoes off in their house, I don't. They eat pork. It's all those little things that have no moral or doctrinal bearing at all. You should still try to understand that. a, you know, one of our missionaries one year, I don't know if this is the case, but he went to Mexico and the area he says, I got to grow a mustache because it was just more helpful just to have a mustache there. This certain, Maybe it was one of the states. He's got to grow the mustache. I'm like, cool, do it. Whatever it takes. You know? in, in Papua New Guinea, you have Chad Wells. I remember this and I thought this is kind of different. But oftentimes when they come to church, it's like it, they just do this. They go women and men. They typically sit in different spots, and that's just how they do it. There's no animosity or anything. And then, um, Chad, you've even seen pictures of this. He says that when you have a good friend, a man, another man, good friend, and then you walk, they'll hold hands. Not in the least bit, you know what. I mean, it's like, it's my friend type of attitude. They might hold hands like that. Like, this is my friend. It's showing, like, I trust you. All right. So it's good to understand different cultures and be like, okay, yeah. Six, number six, and we'll have just two more points here. And I've said this before. is like we need to, to the best we can, the best we can is try to associate with people unlike you. Again, what does it say of chapter 1, verse 8? He didn't know Joseph. This this king of Egypt didn't. He should have said, well, tell me about the history of Joseph. Tell me about him. Why did he come here? What was happening? But he was just like, eh. He played ignorant. Sometimes it's good for us to just try to get out of our comfort zone of whatever it is and say, I'm going to get to know my Middle Eastern neighbors a little bit or my Asian or whatever and just get to know them a little bit you say well I go to a Chinese food restaurant is that enough no it's not enough no it's not it's not enough to say hey man I like carne asada like you No, go talk to Jose you know love your neighbor <coughs> this guy when I this is this is see ignorance can be bad one time I'm gonna tell you how you're gonna see how dumb I was when I was a kid I was younger I was like we had another church and well, for a few years, and I remember growing up in that church. And, and I should say a few years. I wasn't growing up in that church, but I remember there was a couple uh, Hispanic families. I'm assuming of Mexican heritage. Not all Hispanics are Mexican. There's Hispanic, South American, Colombian, Argentinian, uh, Central American. That's all. You don't don't go saying, "Look at all these Mexicans around here." Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. You're showing you're a dumb, ignorant redneck. Okay. So anyways, it's like, what, Hispanic, oh, where are you from? Okay, Puerto Rico, uh, Guatemala, whatever. You understand that? So I was like, oh, these families in, in my church, and it was pretty cool. But I thought, this is how I thought. I was like eight or nine, I'm like, they can't sing. I'd stand there, and hear them sing, I thought, man, they're kind of off. And I couldn't sing that good. My mom could, our family could. It's like, they can't sing. And so for a while there, I thought, Mexicans can't sing. Must not be able to sing. And I had that thought in my mind for a little while. Right? It's a false impression. And just because you think that doesn't mean it's true. Just because you think all oh, people of a certain color are violent doesn't mean it's true. Just because you think that all, <coughs> you know, we have to watch out for the stigmas. And then I realized, oh no, it's just maybe that family or a couple of them are too loud and off tune and they're overpowering the other ones. And you, do, you have to think, what am I thinking? Is it right? And so, we need, so what I needed is, I needed to associate a little more, get some more Hispanic friends, and I did. And, and we even have a Spanish ministry and everything else. And, and so I remember one time I went to uh, Brother Rubio, he told me, he's, I told you this before, but we went to a church in Phoenix, um, Evangelical Baptist, and it was, it was during the summertime, and it was like, I think I was at the end of my vacation, and I still had a Sunday off, so I went, and on a Sunday night, I showed up at Brother Rubio's church, it's a bilingual church. I love that church. And I show up there and I'm sitting, it's kind of probably like 300 uh, seat auditorium. And I'm sitting in there, <coughs> excuse me. And he has the service, they sing songs bilingual. And Brother Rubio says, Okay, we're going to have some of our teenagers come up. It's mostly Hispanic church. We have some of our teenagers come up and give testimonies because they just got back from camp. And so I was like, Cool. And I'm sitting there with a couple of my kids. I'm like, Cool, get listen to some testimonies. And they do English and Spanish. And I'm like the only Anglo guy there, which is fine. I didn't care. And so they get up, and, and the kids, so Brother Ruby is sitting there on the platform, and the kids are coming up giving testimonies, and he's just kind of going like this a little bit. Because the kids come up, and they go, yeah, we had fun at camp. We went to this camp in California, and da-da-da-da. But the food was, I don't know, it's all these white ladies. It's white lady food. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, oh, it's okay. But everything else was fine. And then he goes back down, sits, and everybody's going kind of like, ha-ha-ha. And I was like, well, that's pretty funny. And then another kid came up and he says, Yeah, we went to camp and it was fun and this and that. He said the same thing. But the food, yeah, it's these white ladies' food. And I was like, okay. <laughs> they didn't mean it bad. They didn't mean it bad at all. There's like, it wasn't like my mom's cooking, you know, like that. And so and they went through and then and like maybe a third guy said it. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is funny. Sometimes I have a problem with white people food too. <laughs> And so Brother Rubio gets up and he knew I was there and I didn't really care. He goes, oh, Brother Mike, I'm sorry. Our, our teens need to get out a little bit more, you know. <laughs> That's what he was saying. And he didn't integrate, I'm like, all right, I'm good, man. I have sometimes a problem with that too. You know, it's true. Sometimes we just need to learn to, hey, get to know somebody a little bit unlike you. Because the alternative is not good. That's how racist attitudes develop. And if you ever meet somebody who's not of your color and they treat you badly and you think, oh, that was hurt, or they called me a derogatory term, or they were unfair to me, or they fired me, but they hired the other guy of his color, watch it what you think next. Because just because you endure mistreatment doesn't mean you need to go back and reciprocate that back. Refuse, here's my last point, refuse to become what you've unjustly endured. I... I haven't hardly anything. I mean, I can tell you stuff, and it's silly. But some others, you might get somebody speak bad about you because of your color, your ethnicity. Pretty soon, it'll be more of our faith. But refuse to reciprocate that back. Sometimes people become the thing that they unjustly endured. Watch this. The Hebrews were getting afflicted by the Egyptians. Later on, Moses has a wife. That's not of his ethnicity. She was called an Ethiopian in Numbers chapter 12. And you know who picked on him? His brother and sister. What are you doing over there? You've got to refuse to become what you've unjustly endured. Well, this guy, I enjoy talking to this guy. A, he delivers water for us for the... Um, or water bottles, and he's a nice guy. His name's Eric, and I was studying this the other day, and, I, and, and he came and he delivered every other Thursday, and he was out there. Eric's an African American, Black American guy, born and raised here in the Midwest, and his dad's was a Baptist pastor, uh, retired now, and uh, and so I knew that about him. And so Eric was out there, and he I talked to him a little bit. And I was studying mercy, I'm like, I want to go talk to Eric. Eric, what do you think? I just had him a few questions. I just wanted to get his perspective on what he's seen or what he thinks. And it was nice talking with him. And, um, and he says, you know, he goes, yeah, I've had somebody mistreat me or avoid me or say something bad. He goes, you know what I've learned to do? He says, I've learned I'm not going to let anybody change my attitude. I'm not going to let them steal my joy by what they're their dis, dismay about. Disapproval of me, I'm not going to let them control me. I thought that's a good attitude to have. Even on the contrary side, he married a, a white lady, had kids that are mixed, and he was in New Orleans one time, and a person chewed him out. And he says, "I'm not going to let that bother me either. I'm going to tell him this is my family, this is who we are." And so I, I appreciated that because he, he said, "You need to prove who you really are, not just not let the ethnicity speak loudest, let the character speak loudest." The fact is, we, I have more in common, and we're going to wind this down here. Let's be honest. I For me, I have more in common in a significant way. I have more in common with a deep, dark, black African man that likes to eat goat soup and has a Bible and loves Jesus than I do a MAGA hat wearing, flag-raising, pickup truck driving redneck guy who does not, who refuses Jesus Christ. Because which one really matters? The spiritual connection. That's what matters. So so for us, say, you know what? I don't want, I need the jokes. I need to kill the jokes in me. Put them away. Just mingle with people. Learn people's culture. Don't and 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 say that how would, what is God's mind and have God's mind toward people and when it comes on you don't reciprocate it back say God help me deal with that if I was mistreated or there was discrimination do like the Hebrews they cried out to the Lord and say you know I want, hopefully I can just prove myself to that person a little more and they'll see beyond a stigma we God gives us the ability to overcome this stuff from on us or from with us and we need to embrace that.